0: Today is the week four, it is the finale of the series, and we've been talking through spiritual warfare, and we've been specifically talking about the armor of God. In week number one, we talked about the opposition that we face with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Week number two, we talked about the belt of truth, that all things hook to the truth, and we talked about having the breastplate of righteousness, which communicates to us the importance of living right, or right living protects our heart. In week number three, we talked about the shoes of peace last week, and we talked about the shield of faith. So I wanna encourage you, if you haven't heard any of them, to go back online, check them out, and they'll all be available for you. The Bible is very clear that opposition is coming, and our faith will be challenged, our commitment will be tested and battles will come in different shapes and in different sizes. The scripture lets us know that it could come through family, friends, work, discouragement. We see profiles in scripture that it comes through grief or shame or hurt or offense. We can experience things in our lives that the enemy could use to, to, to destroy our faith and our lives and our families. But the Bible teaches us that battles are to be expected, but God did not leave us to fight alone. And so Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. We've been picking really from just a few verses this whole month, and he's writing to the church of Ephesus and articulating to them that we have some things provided to us for the fight that we are in. And so let's go there, Ephesians chapter six, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, not just some, but all of it, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, in verse 17, where we're gonna talk today, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We've covered all of the pieces of armor. We're gonna cover the last two today, and the first one is the helmet of salvation. Everybody say the helmet of salvation. Now, on stage today, joining me is some props that help illustrate uh, what helmets can do. So this is a motorcycle helmet. This is Pastor Josias, and he let me borrow this for today. And this is something that protects his head while he's on his motorcycle. I've been trying to talk him out of keeping that, so somebody say amen. This is a construction helmet. Uh, in fact, many of you may not know this, but I have—I used to work at a. I've worked at a few factories, and I still have my personal construction hat, just to all, and my work boots, my steel toe work boots, that I don't have to work. I don't have to use those anymore. Some days I feel like I need to wear this in here, but for the most part. I still have my personal one at the house, that says my name on it and I never wanna get rid of it because it just reminds me of what God can do in your life and you can work in seasons and different seasons of how God can open doors. But I have the construction hat at home and they used to get on to you that if you didn't have it on at work, you, you could be sent home. They, they really took this serious. Here's another one, a bicycle helmet that when you're riding a bike, you know they advised you, your children, to wear a helmet. What these do is that these help uh, protect our heads and our my, our brains to absorb absorb the impact if there was to ever be uh, a fall, a hit, some sort of collision it, w- it would absorb the 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 hit and it would protect our brains from from trauma and so Paul is letting them know that when you 're going to battle there 's going to be a fight in your head sometimes the greatest battle in our lives are not on the outside come on somebody sometimes it's on the inside in the time that paul wrote this letter he is correlating it with the roman guard the roman soldiers and the roman helmet was very very heavy in fact it had to have a sponge from the sea in the top of the helmet to rest on their head This helmet would cover their jaws, it would cover a lot of their face and an interesting part is that it also covered the back of the neck. Had a a heavy piece of material that went down of metal that went down on the back of the neck so that when they were in warfare with the opponent army, the opposing army, the opposing army often had a battle axe and in my studies I found that not only Did they have swords and spears? But one thing that armies carried was a battle axe. And the reason they had the metal down the back of the neck was so that when the opposing army came close in combat, that when the battle axe or the sword of the opponent would swing, that it wouldn't take their head off. Wouldn't take their head off. The Bible lets us know that our mind is an important thing. In fact, I'll say this today, and you can write this down. Don't lose your head. Don't lose your head. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says to give no place to the devil. You ever heard that verse? Since uh, Ephesians chapter 4, I believe, verse 27, it says, give no place to the devil. The word devil is the word diablos, which means in the Greek, and, and the imagery it gives is that it is a vivid picture of the devil as one who repeatedly throws accusations. It is hitting and striking again and again until he ultimately penetrates the mind with lies. The battle axe of the devil coming into our lives, he has an agenda, and that is to get to your head. And the way the scriptures explain how it gets to our head is a repeated, over and over, consistent striking with the same thoughts, with the same temptation, with the same, am I talking to anybody? The the same thing, over and over, trying to weaken an area of your life. Have you ever heard the statement that the steady drip wears the hole? That's what the enemy is trying to do. Over and over, trying to get to your head, striking back and forth. Somebody say, don't lose your head. You know, I've been in, in a part of many, many hospital situations and I've been in rooms where people, were they considered brain dead, brain dead. Um, the heart could still be beating, the lungs could still be by machine oftentimes breathing, Hands could be twitching, but when the head is gone, it doesn't matter how much that heart beats because you are oftentimes in conversations with family members. Do we unplug, do we consider, what do we do? Because you can't live without your head. The devil knows that your life moves in the direction of the most dominant thoughts we have. So don't be mistaken. Though we don't see a battle ax swinging on the outside every single day, in this room right now, I didn't see anybody with a demon on their shoulder hitting him or her in the head with an ax, but you don't know what's going on on the inside of somebody. The discouragement they may be dealing with, the pain they may be enduring, The the difficulty they may be facing when they came into church today and somebody hands them a Michigan hat, I mean, they don't even know the struggles you're having, the pain you're living in. I I, I do believe this, that when you're in battle, when you're dealing with difficult things in life, I really do believe what I'm going to say. One of the hardest parts of fighting and spiritual warfare or difficult season is by far the mind games, right? And the devil knows that and so did Paul who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the word of God. He's letting him know, don't lose your head. When you are in battle, when you are in a fight, don't lose your mind. And it's called the helmet of salvation. Salvation. I think that's oddly specific because I believe one of the greatest attacks on the head the enemy does is trying to break down your and I's confidence in our salvation. In that salvation, the word salvation in the Greek is the word sozo, which is an accompanying word, all-encompassing all word of salvation healed, saved, and delivered. It's not just saved for heaven later, it's saved for earth now. It's a beautiful thing, but the enemy doesn't want you and I to walk in full salvation. He's fine with you getting to heaven, he just doesn't want you to have heaven on earth. And so what he does is he comes with the battle ax and starts telling you things like God doesn't love you, and if, I know I'm talking to real people this morning, if you were a real Christian, you wouldn't have said that, (laughs) somebody's like yeah if you were sincere follower of Jesus you would have never thought that if you are really a Christian if you really were a born-again believer you would have never done that and so he comes and starts to chip away at your confidence in who you are in Christ I must not be a Christian. Let me just say this. You and I are not saved based on how we feel. We are saved based on who we know. If feelings got you saved, feelings can get you unsaved. But the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. When I have faith in his finished work, I'm now in covenant with God. And there may be days the enemy tries to get me in my fields and I don't feel like a good Christian and I don't feel like this. Can I tell you something? The devil is a liar. And the only thing he knows how to say are lies. Am I talking to anybody? Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse five says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The enemy comes and starts swinging the battle ax. The enemy comes and tries to chip away our confidence in God. God doesn't love you or you would have been healed. If you were really saved, you wouldn't struggle with this. If this was real, if you really loved God over and over, I'm not a good mother, I'm not a good father, because he knows if I can keep hitting, eventually eventually I'm going to penetrate and I'm gonna take their head off, their thoughts running wild, their mind going crazy, because you can be saved, hear me, and still be a little crazy. I know I'm in the right church right now. The enemy, I I do believe that he knows he cannot take salvation. I believe the enemy knows that he cannot take your blessing so he convinces us we're not blessed. Because he can't take it, so then he'll, he'll try to skew the way you see it so that you and I won't believe we're blessed even though the fact you got breath in your body, you're blessed the fact you got a job and that you're blessed, the fact you walked in this room today, the fact that you're not in a bed of affliction, the fact that you can even watch online and can comprehend the words that I'm saying, the fact you got food in your fridge and a bed to sleep in. you are blessed. But the enemy comes in and says, well, if you had another thousand square foot house, you'd be blessed. The devil is a liar. Baby, if that house is paid off, dance all the way to the bank, baby. I do. Sometimes I'll feel the temptation, Ethan, you need to get a new truck. You're a pastor of a big church. You need to look like it. Honey, my Dodge Ram 2016 is paid off. I don't know what you need to swing in my head. But when I started, I hear, ah, oh, just feel the car sounds better paid off, don't it? Anybody know, oh, I almost spoke in tongues. Sometimes you just need to be reminded that you're blessed and you're saved and you're healed and you're delivered and you're in favor with God and man and he has his hands on your life and you're blessed. Come on, give God a big amen right there. So so the enemy comes to take our head. The Bible lets us know that we are to wear the helmet of salvation Paul later writes in another letter, he says, you should think about things that are honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. If there be anything that is a virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And when you begin to put your head in the right place and position your mind to be secured In who God called you to be, I'm a child of God, I, I am forgiven, I am loved, when you position yourself, the enemy can come with as many attacks as he wants to, but he cannot break through the helmet of salvation. Isn't that good news today? The second piece is the sword of the Spirit. Everybody say the sword of the spirit. Ephesians six seventeen says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, the Roman soldiers would carry swords uh, in battle, and there were different types of swords they would use. There, were, there was a longer sword that they would, they would battle with, and, and with this sword, it was close combat post-combat, now if you noticed in this entire passage of the armor of God, you have all of this armor, you have shoes of peace, you have breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, you have the shield of faith, you got the belt of truth, all of them are defensive weapons or defensive pieces of armor. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is our only offensive weapon we are given. The only thing we have to fight with, the scripture lets us know, is the word of God. So I just want to take a minute. One of my favorite verses is Psalms 119, 105, that says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light to my path. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for the word of God. I know some people cannot prioritize it, and there are seasons in all of our lives where we don't spend time like we should, and I've been guilty of that, and can still be guilty of that. But just like you, I struggle and fight, and I'm in battles every day, just like you. And the Scripture is letting us know that it's not enough to just have on armor that protects you. You also have to have a sword to fight with. And what's interesting about the word of God is in this passage it says, take up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. The word word is different than normal in the Bible. It's really important for us to understand that the word word, there are a couple different Greek words for the word word in the Bible. And one of them is the word logos. Everybody say logos. Logos is the written word of God. This is logos right here. This is the whole counsel of God. And I would encourage you that if you don't have a Bible, will you let us know at guest services? We'll do whatever we can to get you the Logos written Word of God. There's nothing like the Word of God. And many people ask, Pastor, where do I read? What translation should I read from? Let me help you. Get what translation you can understand. Let's just start there. And then, just read it. Where should I start? Start reading. I would encourage people oftentimes to go to one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I would encourage people to go to the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, so you can read a chapter a day. The book of Psalms is very powerful. Start reading in a translation you can understand. I love the New Living Translation. It's what I read a lot at home. I study from the ESV. I read a lot of King James. I actually memorize from the King James because that's how I was raised. I'm not sure if it's right or wrong, but I love, this is actually my King James here. This is the one that gets you into heaven. That's what I always heard. (laughs) Almost named my son King James, just in case, I was. But this is the Logos written word of God. But this word is a little different. It is the word rhema. And the word rhema is the spoken word of God. This is when God speaks to us. Now this is where people can get a little uncomfortable and say okay, Pastor Ethan, I believe God speaks. We gotta be careful with God speaking. You're absolutely right. There are some weird people that say God said. But I I wanna help you understand that the word rhema, the spoken word of God, is a good, think of it like this. It comes alive. So I always say it like this. If you want a word from God, open up the word of God. So when you're, listen close, when you're reading Logos, and you're spending time reading what the word of God says. Have you ever been reading and then a sentence comes alive? You ever seen that, you ever happen to you? It's almost like the Holy Spirit's on the other side of the Bible, and all of a sudden he goes, right there. And that word comes alive. And it's exactly what you needed in the season you were in. It's exactly what you needed in the circumstance that you are facing. So it's from logos came a Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it was, have you ever been in a service where somebody was preaching and a word was just real quick sentence and it's exactly what you needed to hear? I couldn't tell you how many times I've been in the lobby and people, I mean if this has happened, this has happened hundreds and hundreds of times. Pastor Ethan, you had no idea. People will say, it's almost like you've been in my house all week. You ever heard somebody? I don't know. It was just like you were in the car, my wife and I. We talked about this all the way. God is trying to speak rhema. Give fresh, living, exciting word into your life. And Paul is saying, it is the rhema that you fight with. This is where it's gonna get fun. Because many of us will, will do will, with like Russian roulette Bible. It's like God give me a word, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. Here it is. Judas hanged himself, you know like. <laughs> I'm not saying God cannot do that. I'm just saying the normal way will be that when you're absorbing his word and you are getting in his presence and you are spending time marinating, spending time meditating on the word of God, something the Bible teaches us the Holy Spirit will lead us to all truth. All of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts to bubble something that he will speak to you, something that you need in that season. Can anybody ever relate to that? When you have heard something said so, even in, you could be at a restaurant talking to somebody and they say something and you're like, that was God, they just said that. It could be a rhema God is using to speak life. And he says, that's what you fight with. When you get up in the morning, you don't get up and like, I'm under attack, give me my sword, I'm gonna physically fight the devil with this book. And I'm not saying the devil's not like, ouch, yeah, uh, I don't know what he does. But I know this, it's dangerous when the word is not just in your hands, but in your heart. And when you speak it from your mouth, are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, Pastor Ethan, I don't know about, I, don't, I can't memorize verse, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to get it from information to revelation. Because it goes, when you get time in the word of God, it goes from information to illumination, to revelation, to application, to transformation. When the word of God begins to work in you, it can change everything around you and about you. The uh, book of Hebrews chapter four says this, for the word of God, the word of God is living and active. Notice that, this is not a fossilized thought. This is a living, breathing, active book. You go back to my library, I don't know how many books I have, I'm always having Lindsay order me books, I'm always like consuming, I like long form learning. I don't do good with like quick podcast, I like long form learning so I learn better by reading and so when I'm reading, I've I've learned this, that I I have many, many books, maybe a thousand books at this point, and I have all these books, but they are fossilized human thought, frozen in time, stuck on paper, still there, haven't moved, but the word of God doesn't matter what generation picks it up and reads it. It doesn't matter what age group reads it. It doesn't matter which country reads it. When they read the word of God, the Bible says it's quick, it's alive, and it's powerful, and it's breathing. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the word... Two-edged. This is really interesting. The word two-edged in the Greek means two-mouthed. Two-mouthed. And and it's really confusing when you hear that. You're like, what is that? What do you mean by a two-edged, a two-edged sword? It, it actually means it's it's got it's got two mouths. And one writer said that he believed the reason that Greek word was used was because when the word of God is read or spoken, that's one side, comes alive when God speaks it. And then when you speak it, that's the other side. Sharper than any two-edged sword is when a word of God is given to you and you use that word out of your mouth to fight the onslaughts of the devil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is this helping you? It's not enough to get the Word in your head. In fact, it's not enough to get the Word and to to be familiar with the Bible. It's not enough to get acquainted with the Word of God. It's not enough to just have heard it. It's not enough to get it in your head. It has to get in your heart and has to come out of your mouth. Luke chapter 4. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness and the devil shows up. The devil shows up and the Bible te- teaches us that the enemy begins to tempt Jesus. He tempts Jesus with the idea he's been, he hasn't eaten in 40 days. He's He's been fasting before he's about to launch into his ministry all by himself, and the devil shows up. And the Bible says that the devil tempts him with turning stones into bread. You're hungry, Jesus, just just go ahead and do this. And Jesus' response to the enemy was this. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. What Jesus did in that mountain that day was to pull the sword out when the enemy came against him. In close warfare, all he knew to do was to speak the word. And when he said, it is written, he put a stabbing effort toward the enemy and says, you cannot get to me. It is written. Two mouth sword. The enemy comes back tempts him one more time. He says, if you will worship me in here, I'll give the whole world to you. And the verse eight says that Jesus answered him and said, it is, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus, the son of God. If Jesus had to quote the scriptures to the devil, how much more do we gotta quote the scriptures to the devil? Watch what happens next. The devil shows up one more time. Remember, battle axe. Shows up again. And this time, this is so crazy. The devil uses a verse against Jesus. He said, why don't you go ahead and jump off the side of this mountain and the angels will protect you. Which the devil is twisting scripture with the guy who wrote it. Now I want you to listen. If the devil tried to twist the scriptures with the Son of God, how much is he trying to twist the scriptures with us today? And so Jesus looks at him again in verse 12, and he said, it is said, or it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to The test, in a moment of temptation, tiredness, exhaustion, and hunger, when the devil came tempting Jesus, Jesus didn't argue with him, Jesus didn't fight with him, Jesus Jesus just spoke the word and says, it is written. Am I helping you today? That's why the Bible says to let the word of God dwell in us richly. I am not equipped for battle. Hear me. I'm not equipped for battle until the word of God is in me. It's not enough for the word of God to be in the church or the pastor that you sit under. I want to be in a church where the pastor has the word of God in him. That's a good thing. But it needs to get in us that when we are in warfare and when we are in difficulty, we can speak the word, that two-edged sword that cuts our flesh and somehow cuts the devil. Bible, by far, if you go back in my study, I love, I have different translations, I have the King James, I have the NLT, the ESV, I have study Bibles, I have chain references, I just love all that. I love physical, physical Bibles. And oftentimes, I know you can't see it from there, but oftentimes what I do is I write in my Bibles. Now I know there are people that don't do that, don't believe in that, and that's okay. Um, That's not what I do. I don't have a mind to recall those things. So oftentimes I will just write things that speak to me. And many times, and I've gotten to the point that I'm starting to date them, because so many times that when a scripture speaks to me, I know there's a reason that just spoke to me. I'm gonna to need to fight with that. So I highlight that and I circle that and that intrigues me, that speaks to me and I marinate on that and oftentimes I'm writing some other things, I open up different translations and I'm looking because what I just felt happened was a sword just got a little sharper. It's almost like the Holy Spirit was like, Hey, you're gonna, you're gonna need this. And I couldn't tell, I cannot tell you the hundreds, I would say thousands of times with, that is very conservative, thousands of times where I have been through the day and I've been talking to somebody and whether or we're dealing with a challenge or a difficulty or a discouragement or a phone call comes up and what I fight with is what came to me that morning in the word of God. How did, the whole, how did I know that? The Holy Spirit knew that. I didn't know it, but the Holy Spirit lit that word up and said, hey, today at noon, you're gonna get a call that's gonna throw you off. But if you remember, I said this, that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. And then he'll say something like, remember when Paul was in prison or when Paul and Silas, they sang praises unto God. And you may be in a struggle, Ethan, today, all you need to do is praise him right now. That that word comes back to life and it's what I fight with every single day. You are ill of equipped for battle if the word of God is not in you. Well, I thought if I went to church, that would be enough, baby girl. (laughs) It is 2022. The devil is crazy and he's posting it and we're becoming desensitized to the attacks and being normalized to crazy. All the more why we need the word of God. To stabilize us and to strengthen us so that we can fight our enemy. I'm preaching now. I'm about done. I'm at the bottom. Here's all I want you to know don't put your sword down. Don't put your sword down. There's a story in the Bible of a man named Eleazar, and, and the scripture is really fascinating. It's in 2 Samuel and they were fighting, uh, David's mighty men were fighting the Philistines. And the Bible says that Eleazar went out there and he fought all day, just fought all day from morning to night. He fought and while he fought, the Bible says that his hand becomes so frozen to that sword that it's almost like they became one, that he fought for hours, the enemy fought back and forth, and that sword had be, his hand become so so tightly wrapped around the sword that he had become almost stuck to it. That they're now prying his hands. One one writer said. One commentary said that hours after the battle, they believed that they had to pry the man's hands from the sword that he was fighting with. I would to God for you and your family, that when you are fighting, the first thing you go to is to your sword. That your two-mouthed sword, you go to those scriptures your grandmother taught you. You go to that word that you highlighted two weeks ago. And you don't put the sword down like Eleazar who put, took in the heat of the battle, held so tightly they couldn't separate it from him. That he fought with it. That he pushed back with it. Discouragement came and, and anger came and purposeless thoughts came and brokenness came. And what you fight with is the word of God. Let it be the first thing on the tip of our tongue. God, let the word be the first thing that we reach for in the heat of the battle. Let your word dwell richly. Go to our sword and go to our word and fight. He's equipped us with everything we need and it's in his word. And the Bible says that his spirit Gives it to us. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Can I pray with you today? Are you thankful for the Word of God today? Amen. Father, I pray over every man and woman, boy and girl in this place. I pray that they will have a heart to fight. And as we close this series today, we speak victory over whatever the enemy has tried to bring. Pain and hurt and scares and fear and anxiety. We speak in the name of Jesus. As the, as the one man said to Jesus, just send a word. Just send a word. Father, I pray our church will put on the helmet of salvation and pick up the sword of the spirit that whatever they're fighting, they'll have a word on the inside, a scripture on the inside, a prophecy on the inside, a scripture on the inside that they can fight the attacks of the devil in Jesus' name. If you believe it today, come on, put your hands together. Give God a big praise. Will you stand with us all over the room? Come on, let's just worship the King. As we close this series today, be reminded that you're equipped. Be reminded that you and I need to wear that belt of truth. That we need to wear that breastplate of righteousness we need to wear that those shoes of peace and the shield of faith we need to put on that helmet of salvation and we need to pick up the sword of the spirit come on with hands raised all over the room if you're comfortable maybe put your hand on your heart come on let's sing to heaven one more time today Come on, Azar, fight for your kids. This is how I fight my Come on, you get in the house of God. When other people go to the bar, you this go to the presence. When other people go to a bottle, you get in the presence. This is how I fight my battle. When temptation comes, we swing the sword. This is how I fight my battle. When discouragement comes, we remind ourselves who We are in Christ. Come on, church. Let's sing it all over the room.